0: Welcome to Zenergy, the interactive podcast providing resources for building a better life. I am Zena Shea. I am a catalyst, conduit, and coach who launches humanity into greatness by accelerating mindset changes and replacing limitations with possibilities. And I firmly believe as an English teacher and as an author that one of the ways to do that is through books. So I have an author here with me and our topic for today is feminine energy. And that's not a topic that you hear a lot, you know, but I feel like it's a really important topic. Um, I am a woman, as you can see, anybody listening to me or looking at me can see that. And I have uh, another woman with me. Um, But I think sometimes, at least in my experience, I think that women are sometimes um, the word woman or womanly is used almost as an insult. um some in some cases and it is seen as weakness i think women are sometimes pushed to be harder or more masculine and i think that there's been a swing back um to say no femininity is important it's been missing um in some places and we need to value it and so i really wanted to have this as one of the topics on my list of topics cause I was looking for someone to grab onto it and, and for us to be able to talk about this, because I think that it's so important in this male dominated society that we still live in for us to recognize that women, you know, like there's been songs, you know, sisters are doing it for themselves, you know, yeah. or girls run the world with Beyonce or, you know, there's been a move to say, no, we have a voice. We have a place. We're important. Um, and, you know, some people frown on that and think right. we should sit down and be quiet. And they even will say that in places like the Senate and the Congress. Yes. Uh, but, yeah. but we are here to talk about it. So I wanted to introduce my guest for today, um, author Abby Lorraine. Did I say that correctly? You did, girl. <laughs> And so why did you pick this topic when you saw the 10 topics that were up on the list? What made you gravitate toward feminine energy? Well, this.
1: um, (laughs) um, I recently kind of discovered who I was as a woman. And I, I think what I found for myself is I am a very powerful woman and that some women are very intimidated by me. Um, and I I think what I've noticed in our society in general is, you know, that we're supposed to be a certain way, look a certain way, um, you know, just do all these things that are kind of in a box. And like, I'm the girl that doesn't want to live in a box and and I never have wanted to. And so I've always kind of been outside of the box, but now I'm just like, I'm at my own level right now. <laughs> and and that being said, the feminine energy part is like, I grew up not really wearing bikinis or showing my body. And and because I was kind of ashamed into that, mm. and what I kind of feel was like, these are the expectations and it's not okay to embrace your feminine side. It's not okay for, you know, it's just like a really, it's like everybody wants you to be in this line and I don't want to be in that line. So I've really embraced myself. Um, I have hypermobile EDS, so I'm extremely flexible. I did not ever do gymnastics or I was not a ballerina or anything like that. Um, but I did these really beautiful, um, awareness photos and I did some fully naked and I did some with like the naked ones. I have paint on my body. So it's covering, you know, what I felt like should be covered, but, I really embraced that. If you'd asked me if I'd have done something like that two, three years ago or way beyond, I would have never thought of it. But now I like feel that energy of like, this is me. This is all of me. And I can be whoever and whatever I want. I don't need to be on society's level of this is, this is who you're supposed to be. And it's not okay to feel beautiful. It's not okay to embrace who you are. And it's not okay to, you know, um, be showy, I guess. Um, so these are like all things that I'm, I've learned a lot about recently in the past two years or so, and I'm still learning. Um, and I feel like I have plenty of room to grow and I want to, I have three beautiful daughters and Mm -hmm. I want them to embrace that about themselves, that they can be whoever they want. They don't need to put themselves in a box and, and that, I would say my daughters are very powerful, like myself, where I tell them, girl, roar. Do you (laughs) don't do what everybody else says that you have to do. And that includes if, you know, one, they're all different in their own way. When you have kids, you figured that out very quickly that like you could try to mold them into what you think they should be. But eventually, if if you change with your children in the way that you should, you start to realize that they're their own person. I have one that loves makeup, one that hates makeup that's very athletic. I mean, and they're just so different. And I've told my girls like, do whatever makes you happy and makes you feel good about you. That's all you need to do.
0: Well, you know, I love that you are encouraging individuality because yes. one of the things that I, I agree with you completely that society has said that women should be this or that or the other and that only certain things are considered ladylike. Yes. And um, if we go back in ancient times um, we had goddesses, you know, there were goddesses in the Greek culture, in most cultures there were goddesses, but when you get to the Judeo Christian um, tradition, or the Muslim tradition, you don't see them, even though initially, there was in the Judeo Christian tradition, there was Lilith, who became a goddess or a succubus, she, she was turned into the, the, the negative part. Um, mm-hmm. And then you had Inanna, who was supposedly the wife of God, originally. Right. Before, before you know, the, the Bible was actually written down and, and codified. But in that goddess tradition, you had all of the faces of womanhood. You had the mother figure. You had the huntress. You had the artisan, you know, you had all of these different, you know, figures of womanhood, um, all of these different types of feminine energy. You had the wisdom, you know, Athena being the goddess of wisdom. You know, you had the goddess of beauty and desire. You had all of this and it was all seen as womanhood. This is all womanhood. And these are all faces of womanhood. But then when you come to the Judeo-Christian tradition, it's the Virgin Mary. Even though she was married and she had other children, she is you know, the virgin forever somehow by some, you know, logic, I'm not sure what, even though I grew up Catholic, you know, that was one of the questions that I had as a child. And of course I got in trouble for asking that question. <laughs> so, you know, um, the whole idea that we have to in a sense, even there's a problem in even having sexuality, even in marriage, right. you right. know, yes. we're not, we're supposed to somehow always stay this virginal person. Yep. Um, so it's, it's just, I'm so glad that we're moving away from some of that and embracing a wider perspective of womanhood and going back to what I feel is a more ancient and more holistic and more natural idea of womanhood. And it's great that you say one of your daughters loves makeup, one hates makeup, one's athletic. Those are all, you know, parts of being a person. What do you like? What do you not like? What are you good at? And you don't have to give up some things just because you're a woman you don't have to I remember when I started teaching um there were a lot of girls in my class and I started teaching in 1995 which was not that long ago you know <laughs> 27 years ago but it's not the dark ages right right and i remember there were girls that would come into my class and they would be upset one day and and i was like what's wrong and they was there were like a I love sports. I want to play on the soccer team. But my mom and my dad have told me that now that I'm a teenager, now that I'm in high school, it's not ladylike for me to do that anymore. And I can't do that. And I'm really good. And I wanted to try out. And you're thinking, oh, my gosh, this is a wholesome thing. They can learn so much from being on a team. They can learn so much in in in, in teamwork and in hard work, discipline, you know, all of these things. But because they're a girl and supposedly they're supposed to be getting ready for marriage and and family and cooking and cleaning and doing all that. Now they can no longer participate in what's considered now, in a sense, a masculine pastime. Right. And I'm like, and you can't say anything, you know, you can't, you, you're just like, you know, I'm sorry. And then you, that's the, that's the most that you can say, you know, because you can't say anything against their culture, but it's so sad that These girls and I hope I hope that some of this is changing, but I can't say for sure that it is that they're told, no, you can't play sports. You can't be athletic. That's that's a tomboy. That's too boyish. Mm -hmm. Um, But we can realize that femininity has many faces and athleticism is one of them. There is a beauty in that female body of the female athlete, you know, and, and we can embrace that as well as, you know, the makeup. And right. the hair and the nails, you know, we can embrace both sides right. of it, and we don't have to say that one is is taboo. Um, and I'm I'm glad that you're giving your daughters that uh, realization and that support, because sometimes in our society, people, women are steered away, or young girls are steered away from that. Um, so what does what does feminine energy kind of mean to you? What does that term, that phrase, kind of mean to you?
1: Mm. To me, it's, it's almost like channeling the inner um, parts of myself in a way that makes me feel comfortable in my own skin. And, and truly for me, I am actually, I'm very girly. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'm not athletic at all. I'm, I've, I've always been terrible at sports, but like just embracing all the parts of me. So this I moved to Wisconsin. So I'm from Southern Illinois and I moved to Wisconsin, um, eight years ago, but only two summers ago really is the first time that I ever went fishing. Hmm. Now I'll tell you, I was, I'm still scared to touch the fish. <laughs> <laughs> I love Catching them. Um, and I love boating and I love four wheeling and I, I don't like the snow. It's lots of snow out here. Um, I don't like the cold at all. So there's like a good part of me is very girly and feminine. And another part of me is like, I want to go outside and have fun. And, um, and that includes that up, up here people, you know, go hunting. And so I actually went hunting, um, two winters ago. Now, thank God we didn't get anything because I probably would have cried. Um, (laughs) I I wasn't going to shoot anything. I just wanted the experience. And, uh, I felt like, I guess really the feminine part of it to me, for the energy is like finding a way to like channel everything inside of you, knowing that it's kind of a balance of different parts of who you are and figuring out like what works for you and feeling comfortable with that. And, and really at the same time being uncomfortable to know that you can find where your comfort is and and your place in that.
0: Okay. Awesome. You know, for me, I I had to like, sit with that question and and i think it's different things at different times right you know i think right. that um you know when i was growing up i thought femininity was just the nurturing part oh. just the you know the cooking and cleaning and yeah. the the hair and makeup and nails and that's kind of what was pushed as femininity um and then i realized well if you look at you know mother nature let's take mother right. nature mother nature of course has nurturing we are alive because nature provides, you know, water and food and, you know, the things that we need to survive. But there's also that other side. There's the, you know, there's tough love. Yes. You know, a mother has to also have boundaries and teach boundaries. So there's there's that tough love in a sense. There's that backbone, that strength, that, that maternal strength. Um, and I thought a lot about maternal energy. You know, mothers are very protective. In nature and in light. And, and, you know, us us as women, with our children, you will see a different side of us. You know, so there is more than one face of feminine energy. And again, going back to ancient time, they had that idea that, you know, women were soft and hard. You know, women were, were fierce Yes. And they were you know, soft and, and pliable and submissive. And sometimes in society now, I think that, again, they want us to be one thing. They don't want us to be fully developed people. So to me, feminine energy is flowing with nature, Yes, knowing that we have cycles. We literally have cycles, 30-day cycles, 28-day cycles. But we also have cycles that we go through as we grow yes. and yes. as we move from that virginal, girl to now a sexual sensual person now to this motherly energy now to this grandmotherly energy maybe um you know so we move through these cycles and and there were archetypes that were there to help women understand that you have this virgin maiden stage and then you have this mother stage and you have this kind of queen stage where you you need to make some rules in your house. You need to make some you need you need to have some boundaries and some structure. You need to be trying to build a kingdom and some legacy. You know, and then you have this kind of grandmotherly wisdom uh stage where you're trying to raise the next generation and, and give guidance and share all the lessons that you've learned and all these things. You know, so there were different types of energy um, and sometimes, again, like I say, society wants to keep women in this virginal maiden mode. We're supposed to be over here in the, the sensual mode. We're supposed to be over here in the motherly mode or the grandmother. We need to be moving through these things, you know, and, and embracing the fullness of who we are at each stage, including our power, you know. And we're getting ready to have Martin Luther King Jr. Day, you know, tomorrow. But, you know, I don't want to talk about Martin Luther King. I want to talk briefly about Coretta Scott, because um, I think that sometimes there is energy behind the great men. You know, there's a saying of behind every great man, there is a great woman. And I would say beside every great man is a great woman or sometimes in front of every great man, there is a great woman. You know, because when when I see him sometimes in the pictures and the speeches and I know that he had to take that burden home and he had to have someone to comfort him, support him, encourage him. Mm -hmm. And he was only able to do the things that he was able to do because he had a wife who put up with uh, him being gone (laughs) and him being unfaithful and, and all of the things that she had to put up with. So she was his support system. And without her being that support system, he may not have been able to withstand um, the different struggles that he was going through. And sometimes I don't think we give women enough credit. There was a book that just came out recently um, about Coretta Scott King and, and about it was two other women. It was like the mothers of Emmett, the mother of Emmett Till and, and someone else, but basically talking about how. They were such a support, and they pushed you know their either their son or their husband or whoever it was. they pushed them and helped them to become that great man right. or that great leader you know and and without that feminine energy <laughs> right there would have been a limit to what he would have been able to accomplish and I even think about Barack Obama yep um i feel like again without michelle he wouldn't be barack completely mm-hmm. you know he there's a there's a a support there that helps you know a man become and and stay in that position that he's in without faltering right you know, and and so you know as we're getting ready to celebrate martin luther king jr day i wanted to to bring that up is there any that 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 brought to mind for you when I'm talking about women, um, that feminine energy kind of supporting greatness, you know, in men or in anyone around them? Was there anything that came up to your mind? Yes. Um,
1: (laughs) I'm going to get myself in trouble. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I would would absolutely 100% agree with what you have said. Um, and, and that's because, and I loved how you said, instead of, it should, in my opinion, really be walking side by side. So we're beside them. We're not mm-hmm. in front of them. We're not behind them because we're kind of equal in partnership. And sometimes what I've seen is women are usually a little bit ahead, but you know you try to keep it together and, and be on that level playing field with them. But at the same time, I, I would fully agree with that. So I'm currently going through a divorce. Um, it's been going on for about three years. Um, and and a lot of that argument that we have that we totally disagree on is, um, where I'm at in my life, where he's at in his life. And, and our discussions have been, um, you know, financial stuff. Right. And so I've explained. And part of my argument is, um, I was your wife who stood by your side, who, helped you, um, and and sacrificed a lot in order for you to work and go to school and finish your education while I did not finish my education, um, fully, I'm literally like 12 credits away from graduating, but I just, you know, I'm a mom. And at that point, that's what my identity had become up until the past year or two. Um, and that was, that was a constant argument for us, um, where he couldn't see that. But I, I know the sacrifice that I made um, on my part of, you know, parent-teacher conferences alone, going to the grocery store alone, um, and, and paying the bills and taking care. I mean, literally, it just, I ran everything, uh, you know, the entire household and, and really all the responsibilities at the end of the day, besides the person bringing a full paycheck in that, you know, covered everything. I did everything else. Um, and so that that's been that's been a real sore subject in our divorce situation of me saying, like, listen, yes, you, you're financially stable at this point. Um, and I know you don't want to pay child support or whatever, um, but I wouldn't be in this position, you know, up until I had some medical stuff. I wouldn't be in this position and I would be able to you know, be on the equal playing field as you somewhat. Mm-hmm with having a job and being able to make that same kind of money. If I had focused more on just myself rather than focusing on how I could help elevate you and support you as you went through the transitions that you went through. So there are definitely different seasons of our lives. And, um, my, my grandmother recently passed away and my grandfather is a very stern, uh, macho ish man. You don't see a lot of emotion from him. I mean, this man has several master's degrees. Um, and my grandmother and him have had that very Christian dynamic, um, relationship. And you can see that my grandmother did a lot. And she's always, I, I I take a lot after her personality, where I've always given a lot to everybody else and made sure everybody else was taken care of for the nurturing side. Um, and I, I've i been able to see that was really the only healthy relationship I ever saw growing up. So I tried to be that woman. And then as I went through, you know, infidelity and all of those things, that come along with sometimes the rocky parts of marriage. Um, once I finally left, I was able to kind of like uh, 15 years, I think it was, that we were together, um, high school sweethearts. And I've been able to take at least from that and pull it into the relationship I'm in now. I've been in a relationship for just at two years and I've been able to take those things and pull them the good things and and know what things I don't want. Um, And I'm very, very much that woman who says, this is what I deserve. This is what I expect. Here's my expectations. You've, you can fulfill them or you don't have to fulfill them. That is your choice. <laughs> I, I know my worth. I know um, what I want. And I know I want a partnership that I do not want to um, do life um, fully with me being the person solely to have all these responsibilities and all these, you know, quote unquote, motherly things, um, because I'm more than just that. Um, And that's something that I have been able to spend a lot of time really sorting out through myself of these are the things that I want and don't want. And here's what I'm willing to do and not willing to do. Um, And at the same time. Mama shark. That's me (laughs) fully 100 percent, hands down. Um, I'm the disciplinary. I'm the one who makes the rules. I'm the one who enforces uh, discipline um, you know, and that's kind of a part of having a, a broken home at this point and, and the sexuality that you were talking about. Oof. Yeah, I feel you on that, like just hands down 100 percent. As soon as you go through a divorce, people look at you and think that you are um, way too open or that you shouldn't take beautiful pictures of yourself and even. Um, care about yourself in that way it's your job to be a mother and that is it like you don't need to worry about going to have fun you shouldn't worry about you know doing whatever else it is that maybe you dreamed of Um, you know this is this is your lane and
0: stay in it no that is a powerful thing to say you know um, you said a lot in that Going through divorce, um, I think that many women, myself included, the book that I'm getting ready to release is about the seven years after my divorce. So I've been mm-hmm. divorced seven years there, and that seven years is completion, you know, in, in like symbolic terms. Yes. Um, and so when December of last year came around, uh, well, actually, October of last year, I felt a real push. To write a memoir. A lot of things yeah. had happened in that seven years. And I had been, people have been bothering me about why don't you have a poetry book out for five years? And so uh, I, I'm releasing a poetic memoir, but it is about um, divorce and re establishing myself as a woman and my, my empty nest, kids leaving the house, boomeranging back. How do you deal with sex? How do you deal with dating? How do you deal with? the yes. loss, you know, things that happen as you get older, all of these things. I've kind of woven that into my book, but yeah, you, when you get divorced um, I agree with you. There are a lot of people that are like, even with my kids being grown um, there was this idea of some people saying, Hey, you know, you should have gotten some of that out of your system when you were in your 20s. You know, why are you out here dating and why are you out here trying to start new businesses? And why are you out here doing all this stuff? You know, aren't you a little old for that? Well, and, and then it becomes very upsetting because as a woman, you're told go to college, get married. Yes. Make a family. Yes. OK, that should be your focus. You shouldn't be partying because that's wrong. That's the Jezebel. That's the harlot. That's, you know, that's the wrong thing. Go get married, have kids. And then when you have kids, it's be a mother and a wife. And then when they get grown, it's okay, be prepared for for being a grandmother. Now you need to start building this new nest of being a grandmother. When is it supposed to be the woman's time? When are we given permission to follow our dreams or our goals? And I I haven't figured out an answer to that yet because... I'm 51 and I still have people in society, especially on social media. When I post yeah. things sometimes oh, yes. people will say <laughs> things like, um, where are your kids? Or where's, what does your husband say about this? Or um, are you spending enough time with your grandkids? And I'm like, who are you? Right? No, that is my, <laughs> you know, and, and yes, I do spend time with my kids and yes, I do spend time with my grandkids, but, just because I'm a woman does not mean that my entire life needs to revolve around my kids and my grandkids, you know, and there is an idea that we have no identity, that our identity is to take care of everyone else. And like you said, taking care of everyone else. And then that isn't even valued sometimes. Right. Right. You know? Um, So I, I have been very, you know, I think part of, The feminist movement, the feminine mystique, and all that, and I don't really consider myself a feminist at all. But was that whole idea? You know, I remember the little commercial. You know, I can bring home the bacon, fry it up in a pan, and never let him forget that he's a man because I'm a woman. W O M A N. You know, that was the whole whole ad at one time. Um, and then you had songs like I'm every woman. It's all in me. You know, anything you want done, baby, I get it done naturally. So they had all these empowerment songs. But then society was still trying to throw this guilt trip on yep. women. And every time you see a woman rise to prominence, yep, you'll see this backlash of well, she must not be taking care of her family and she must not be taking care of her home and her husband must go home to an empty house every day and she never cooks a meal for him and their house must be dirty. And just, it's like, if, if it were a man, you would not hear a single one of those things. You're right. 100%. You know, but, but that's what society wants to say about women. and And so it's, I'm... I'm glad that we're kind of redefining feminine energy to say feminine energy is not, can I cook, clean, and nurture all day long for everyone? That's right. part of it. Nurturing is part of it. Providing yeah. a great home is part of it. But it's also about bringing out the gifts that are in us as women. Yes. And those gifts can be leadership. Yes. Those gifts can be talents. You know, we can be artisans. We can be athletes. We can be speakers. We yep. can be you know, politicians, we can be those things. And those are also part of being a woman, you know, because we're a woman, we're not relegated to just being barefoot pregnant in the house, cooking, cleaning, you know, so, um, it's. Trying to, I guess you could say, define womanhood more broadly than it has been defined in the past. When we had very limited resources and very limited choices. And, um, And people will say things like, you know, and that's why relationships and marriages don't last nowadays. Because all these women want to be out in the streets doing everything but being home.
1: You know what? It's more than that. It is. It's so much more than that. And that is 100% what what you just like totally described is exactly why my partner and I have a great relationship. Because he knew the expectations going into it. I knew what mine were, and I'll be 100% honest with you, since I started writing, he has taken over a lot of the household stuff. He actually um, quit his job and became um, my son's respite care worker because he has cerebral palsy, and he's he's doing really great compared to what we ever expected, okay? Mm -hmm. Um, But there's a, a shortage in healthcare workers, so he signed up to do that along with a couple other people that are close friends of mine. And um, he has chose to basically support me and be here with me while I went through some health battles and, um, and also help with my son. And it's, it's amazing to me because I, I have never seen this before where a man is willing to respect you and love you enough to do the dishes does all the cooking. I'm not a good cook. Okay, um, that's just not something I grew up with, and and I I'm just I've never been great at it. He's amazing at it. He does the laundry because he doesn't want me to walk all the way down the steep basement stairs, and so he brings it up and I fold it. Um, I make sure it gets you know put in the respective areas, and then the kids put it away. But really, at the end of the day, he takes the kids to school. He packs all my bags. Gets I mean he did all my whole setup tonight. Um, And that's, that is like on a level of feeling loved and respected, I've never felt that before the way that I do now to see that a man can embrace that, you know, I have leadership skills, that I have speaking skills, that I have a talent for writing. I always have, but I didn't believe in myself as much as everybody else believed in me. And here I am now, Going crazy with the best-selling author status and all these different genres, and and you know just having somebody else—I don't need anyone else's validation, but having that um, mutual respect from him of like a, of, of a place where you can just tell that he truly um, has been raised right in that way. Um, he's actually five years younger than me, by the way. Yeah. Um, I didn't even know that men opened doors for you. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know that um, not all men are asking for sensual things from you at the beginning of talking and having a friendship before it turns into a relationship. Like the amount of respect that was showed to me and, and the love and compassion and caring um, and honestly, admiration is really the word I would use. It's, it's a really beautiful thing when you can find that. And I, I truly don't see a lot of that nowadays. So I'm, I encourage a lot of my girlfriends who are going through things like this in their life right now, um, like find somebody who can respect you and love you this way. And, and it's okay for you to identify yourself in whatever ways make you feel the best you. When you go through a divorce, the first thing you think of is I'm no longer a wife. I'm about to be an ex-wife or somebody's baby mama. Okay. Okay. And I get asked everywhere I go, do they all have the same dad? Mm. Yes. Yes, they do. Mind your business. Okay. Um, you know, and, and it was hard for me to not wear a wedding ring and to walk around with my four children. It, it was so hard for me because I could just see the judgment on everybody's face. And I could almost see the judgment of like, what'd you do to lose your husband?
0: Mm.
1: Girl, I didn't do anything to lose my husband. I fought for that. He didn't fight for that. And at the end of the day, um, my safety and my children's safety came as my priority. Um, So, you know, they're just, it's, I, I wrote what I wrote specifically in this book for generational impact. That is the name generations of impact, because I want to raise daughters that feel that they can be who they are. And, and the way that makes them feel the, like the best version of themselves. And, and that, so, you know, like you're talking, like people are moving in this direction. I want to encourage them, keep moving in that direction. Keep doing what makes you feel great. I'm, I wouldn't consider myself a feminist. I would consider myself kind of like somewhere in between there, <clears throat> because at the same time, sometimes I need to be reined back in, <laughs> you know, because I'm a little bit wild sometimes with my thoughts and my and my uh, ideas. But, you know, having a strong man there with you too uh, can be really awesome. And, and I have not, like I said, really experienced a lot of men who embrace that. Um, I really, I, I hope that I raise my son to be that way. I hope that my daughters find men that respect them and love them the way that they deserve and, and allow them to have that identity. And, and I actually have wrote in the in the book about and publicly for the first time about my teenage pregnancy, um, where I gave a son up for adoption. And and some of my daughters have said, like, I'm never having kids. I said, girl, you don't have to have kids. Do what you do you. If you don't want to have kids, don't. And, and the other one, like, oh, I'm gonna have a baby when I'm really young, and I'm like, girl, don't do that, okay? <laughs> Go <laughs> enjoy your life first, okay? Um, and the other one that's like, well, I'm gonna adopt. I'm like, that's beautiful. Go ahead and do it, you know. And and maybe if you decide you don't want to adopt, you want to foster, foster some babies, you know. Just do whatever feels the best to you. Don't do what everyone else is doing because everybody else says you have to do this. Just make your own path, forge your own path. And, and do what works for you in the
0: most healthy way for yourself. Um, well, we're going to delve into your book, you know, in more depth, but I wanted to piggyback on some things that you said. You mentioned um, being nervous about getting divorced and not having that wedding ring anymore. Yes. Um, I went through the same thing, you know, um, see, there's people who don't, believe this or don't know this, but I come from one of those families where everybody was married. Everybody. I'm not, I I grew up in a two-parent household. My grandparents were married for 65 years, I think. My parents were married for 44 years. Anyway, everybody's married. My uncles, aunts, everybody. Everybody's married. Only one divorce, period. All right. Um, And here I'm about to get divorced the first time. And I'm feeling like, okay, I'm just going to be the black sheep of the family. And, you know, and then going back before that, there was really no guidance about what to look for in a man. Right. Um, he needs to be a Christian. He needs to be a provider. And that's pretty much it. That was pretty much it. Um, but I, on the other hand, I've got to be a great wife. I've got to be a great mother. i got to cook. i got to clean. You know, i got to make sure that he's always taken care of whatever he needs. You know what I mean? I mean, I should be ironing his clothes. I should be making his lunch, you know. I mean, I'm serious. I got this long list of stuff I'm supposed to do, but he's just supposed to be a Christian that provides. That's it. He doesn't have to do anything else, okay? And in my particular family, I remember, um, you know, the whole idea of a man cheating wasn't a deal breaker. Him being abusive, not a deal breaker, you know. So when I decided I was going to get divorced, I remember knowing um, my mom was for it. My mom was supportive of me. But I I knew kind of in the back of my head that there were going to be a lot of other relatives who wouldn't really say much, but they would think and give you that, you know, you could have kept that man kind of idea, you know. So and then again, just going out in society, already knowing that people think, that black women are not married and then none of us are married. That's what people think. Uh, it's not true, but that's what they think. All of us are on welfare and all of us, you know, have 50 million baby daddies and they think that. And so I didn't, I remember growing up and I wrote this article called those women. Yeah. I remember that my grandmother told me from the time I was small, you know, we, she lived across the street from what she called a juke joint. <laughs> and every now and then we would be at the window and we were supposed to be going to bed looking across the street at the people going in and out of the club. And she said, don't look at them hussies over there at the juke joint. You can't be one of those women, you know? And she would specify, you know, those women with no morals, those women who were easy, those women, you know, who who had no respectability, who had no self-respect. Now she doesn't know any of these women. Right, right. But she's just deciding because they happen to be going into this building. Yes. But this is their description. Yep. And I'm young. I don't know anything better. So I'm thinking, OK, women that go to clubs are women that have no self-respect and no no morality and they're easy. And that, and that's what I grow up thinking. You know, the only place you're supposed to be is basically at the community center and the church and right? right. your job and home. You know, <laughs> and that's it. Maybe you go out to a movie or you go out to eat with your husband you know, yeah. you go to a play, okay, those are respectable things to do, but pretty much anything else, no, that's not respectable. Um, and so my world was very limited. Um, and then to, and, and, and people think I'm not that old, I'm only 51. But the way that my grandmother, you know, yeah. taught me to think, it's probably from a very older generation. But the point is, I grew up with this idea of womanhood that was very, very limited in what you could do and what was respectable. But for men, they can do whatever. Yes. Boys will be boys, you know? Yep. And, and I'm supposed I'm supposed to be so enticing and so nice and so sweet and make it so wonderful for him to come home that he's not tempted to do any of these things. So I'm not supposed to voice my, my, my complaints because that might make him run off and do something that I don't like. I'm not supposed to be difficult, to please. I'm not supposed to be demanding. You know, I'm supposed to be pliable and easy and everything he does is okay and okay, honey. I should do better. I should do better. And that was kind of the way that I was raised and it took a lot for me to get to the point where I said this is not okay, right? The way that you're mm-hmm. running around in 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 the clubs and staying out all night and you're not faithful and you lose your temper and you break stuff around the house and you curse at me. None of this is okay. And I'm not going to put up with it anymore. You know, um, that took a long time because yes. I felt like it was my failure as a woman. Yes. That even happened. If yes. I was a better wife, if I was a better mother, if I was in better shape, if I was whatever, then he wouldn't do this, and the whole idea that anybody in society gives you this idea that if you reach this pinnacle of womanhood, right, that men will suddenly do what they should be doing anyway, right, being faithful, being you know respectful, as you put it, being supportive, um, that you have to somehow earn that, right, by being stellar as a woman, that it's not an automatic, it's not a given that you deserve it just because you're a human being. It took me a long time to realize that was some wrong thinking. I shouldn't have to work to earn him treating me well. Right. You're 100% so you're right. Respectful. <laughs> I shouldn't have to work to earn that. Right. I shouldn't have to prove myself to earn <laughs> that, you know, um, and so it, it, it was kind of crazy that that was kind of how I was raised. And then, then I'm going to lose this wedding ring again. I'm going to be walking around without it. And people are going to be making all these judgments. So I had to come up to the point where I said, it's okay. Whatever they think of me is not my business. Right. I know who I am. I know exactly how hard I tried. I know I tried until I couldn't try anymore. I tried everything I knew to do. I did the best, and I'm not saying I was perfect. I was nowhere near perfect, but I tried my best. Yes. I did my best. And when I had done my best and I had done it for as long as I could, and I realized that this was not a healthy situation to raise my children or for me to be in, you know, because my situation, my first marriage was abusive. All right. Um, He had a 12 page rap sheet by the time we got divorced. Okay. He had a felony conviction for his abuse. By the time we got divorced. All right. I had left him three times by the time we got divorced. So I had gone through a lot. I had proven in my mind beyond a shadow of a doubt, either he's going to kill me or I'm going to kill him. Something's going to happen. I got to go. But even to that, even at that point, I still wouldn't even talk about it because I felt like it was my failure. And if I had been better, it wouldn't have happened. And it took me two years of counseling to yep. get that idea out of my head that I was not responsible for his actions, you know, took a long time. And again, when I got married the second time, everything that happened in that relationship, I still didn't learn that lesson thoroughly. I didn't get into an abusive relationship. It wasn't physically abusive. It was emotionally abusive, but I learned again that I'm not responsible, you know, for his decisions. And as a woman, there's only so much I can do, you know? And so feminine energy, there was a point in my life, you know, when I was growing up, my um, dad wanted a little boy. <laughs> so he tried to make me hard. And then I tried to switch to being really feminine to get into being a wife and a mother. And that was a difficult switch, you know? And then accepting that being soft wasn't a weakness because in my experience being soft meant I got walked over, I got um, ignored, I got neglected. And then I had to realize, okay, I gotta redefine what femininity is for me. It's not those things, you know? So it took for me getting initiated, I got initiated. I went through this class called Sacred Woman and that actually helped me to embrace my femininity because it had like all of these different things that we learned about being a woman. It's, it's a book, but it's also like a whole course. You take like nine weeks to go through. And so that was one of my processes of becoming a woman um, or becoming the woman that I am today in a sense. I'll right. put it like that. Cause I was already a woman. I just hadn't really embraced right. my womanhood in a healthy way. I was trying to run from it or I was trying to be this kind of woman that was a very unhealthy type of woman, you know. So it sounds like you writing your book helped you kind of um, reframe what womanhood was and what you wanted to pass on to your daughters and other generations. So tell us kind of about your book and what kind of led you to write it and what, what can people expect when they read it? Okay. Um, Well,
1: um, I have struggled with a tremendous amount of uh, medical complications. Um, I fought for my life on several times in the past two years. Um, Mm. I am very blessed to wake up every day. Um, If I wake up the next day, I know that I'm grateful for waking up. Um, I had a lot of medical issues throughout my life, and they just kind of dominoed and um, pulmonary embolism, uh, blood clots in my right lung pretty much almost took my life. And uh, I had to be on blood thinners because of that. And when I was on blood thinners, um, I got out of that marriage. I tried to leave three times. And um, most people don't know um, the entire story that goes along with that. So I live in a smaller community, and um, I hid a lot of the uh, abusive stuff that was going on. And I did a really great job at it. So once I left, um, people didn't couldn't believe it. They were like, what? Um, it was almost like I was being questioned if, it, if I was being truthful or not. And I just finally got to a point where I was like, listen, um, go pull the police reports if you want. I don't care. Um, I don't care if you believe me. I don't care about anything. So I went to this women's shelter and when I went to that women's shelter, that's when I started trying to figure out, like, who am I going to be now? Um, but I do remember laying my head on the pillow the very first night I was there thinking to myself, I don't miss him at all. I don't miss any of that. Do I do I miss the normal things that most people miss, uh, you know, knowing that you have a roof over your head and that you can financially take care of your family and your children and I left with nothing but the car and a and my purse and the kids. That was it. Um, and my son, you know, was just going through uh, his diagnoses and needed a lot of medical care. And I don't have any family, really. Um, I have a huge family, but I didn't really grow up with a lot of them and, and not here in this state. So um, I was very much alone. And I just, I remember calling my dad and telling him what happened. And he just kind of said, like, I wish you would have left him the last time I told you to leave. You should have just. I said I don't need that right now. I just need you to say I support you and let me be here for you. And he said, "Okay." So and he was. He was there a hundred percent for me. He went to court with me. He went and helped me with a lot of little bits of things that I needed to do. And um, through that process, I was in that shelter for about three months, and then I finally got my own place. So <clears throat> I'm 36. I was 34 when I got my very first place ever by myself. Um, And it was so liberating for me. And I kept thinking like, what can I do to not, I guess, reinvent myself, but I I look at myself kind of like a Phoenix. Like I'm rising from the ashes right now. This is going to be a process and I need to feel everything as I'm going through it. I've been in counseling for many, many years I actually love counseling. Um, I think it's a very therapeutic way to like have an outward view of who you are. So you get better perspective. And I've always told my counselor, like, don't sugarcoat anything, girl. Just tell me what is up because you're not helping me. If you, if you make me feel good about myself Um, and and that way. So we got to that point and um, I, I just, I wrote down some things that I wanted to do and the things I wanted to change about myself And as I was writing them down, um, I always knew that I wanted to write a book or that I wanted to do something that would leave my daughters never in the situation that I was just in. And at the same time, I'm a very compassionate, loving, nurturing person. So it's a very, it's, it's always been a very hard balance for me trying to figure out how to not talk poorly of their father. And I'm not saying that I do. But to still say, this is your dad, you still have to love him, you still have to, you don't have to, okay? You don't have to. That's something I'm learning still. You don't have to love people just because they share the same DNA as you. Um, but just trying to find a way to, to give them something better than I knew or had. So I came from a broken home um, and only had my mother in my life. Ended up going to live with my dad, got pregnant, went back to my mother's, and then went to my grandparents and so I literally have lived everywhere. I went to a million different schools. So there's like no stability in my life, no good mentors. I mean, just things were just messy and they always have been. And so I wanted to stop that cycle of chaos, messy, and and me passing on the the poor traits that I had inherited basically and, and that I'd seen and, and give them better perspective. So as I went through all this and then I had all these medical issues, I wrote a bucket list when I got diagnosed with Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. And I was basically told, like, you could have less than two years to live. And I was like, what? I need to get my shit together. I need to figure out how I'm going to make real, meaningful change in case I don't wake up tomorrow. So whatever happens that I'm working daily on myself, working daily on giving my daughters what they need and my son and, and finding a way to make real change that when I'm no longer here will actually have a a cascade effect and impact in a positive way that helps move my daughters, women forward in, in a, in a direction that I think is a much better direction than what I had. So I, ended up writing with these women. So I got invited to to write with these women um, that were all doing, it's an anthology book. Um, and it, it basically talks a lot about comparison and, and mom shaming, body shaming, the idea that, okay, I'm going to follow Michelle Obama's plan, or I'm going to follow... Martha Stewart's plan of how to cook, because, you know, I'm a woman, I got to know how to cook, right? No, I don't know how to cook. I'm terrible at it. And I don't ever care about being good at it. Just so you know, you know, like, it's, we're all like forced in this path of this is what we're supposed to do and not supposed to do. So really, the book has 11 different authors through it. And each one gives an account of an experience of basically how we all forged a path, my walk, my way, And how we changed our lives by doing things the way that we thought worked best for us. We didn't just take one person's advice um, and and follow this one path. It's kind of like a collective thing where this might have worked for her. This might have worked for her, but it doesn't work for me. Okay, so how am I going to find what works for me? So you collectively just decide that you're going to make it work the way that works best for you, your family, your family. And however and that might look totally different than my walk your walk her walk and that's okay and that's 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 the whole idea is to push this idea that it's okay to do it the way that works for you my chapter ended up being generations of impact and initially when you write you probably know this already when you write it, it you start here and then you end up here and you're like wait how did i get from here to here I just had an epiphany overnight um, that my daughter walked, I walked by her room and she was looking in the mirror and she was like, do I look fat in this? Ugh. I was like, girl, you're 14. You're beautiful. I would kill to, to look like that. And then I was like, oof, I did that. I have said that a million times. I couldn't even count in that past week how many times I'd probably said like, ooh, my belly looks chubby in this. Um, and so I realized that I, without realizing it, had unintentionally given my daughters this comparison. This is, well, I can't wear this because my belly looks a little bit chubby or I can't wear this because my arms look kind of fat in this. When when do we call life good enough that we look at ourselves and, and really kind of a sucky situation that it took me almost dying Before I woke up and thought, I need to wake up. I need to know what life is really about. And it is not about whether or not I got gray roots or if I have a filtered face because God forbid that I have a crow, you know, some lines here and some crow's lines here. um, You know, and God forbid that I, I didn't get my nails done this week or whatever it is. I am. I've always been a very transparent person. I've always been kind of an open book and I've always been a loud person who uh, overshares and and those are all things that were I was told were bad things about me. And Abby, you need to shh, bring it down. Don't, nope, not everybody needs to know that. And okay, well, let me say this much. Go look at my Facebook, go look at, you know, this, this, and that, whatever me publicly, right? I'm the perfect example that I just hope when another mother, another woman, another daughter looks at my stuff and says, Oh my gosh, I'm doing better than her today. So I did something right. You know, like let it be a lesson for all I care. Let it be something that other women can look at and be like, thank God. Somebody's honest right now. And that she's not putting on a show and she's not saying she's happy. um, Right now. She's being truthful and saying, I'm not okay. Today. Today is my best friend's birthday and she passed away just mm-hmm. yes. And, and so today is a really hard day for me to be honest with you. I purposely made myself busy today because my kids will be home um, probably in about a half an hour. And I knew that I need to stay busy. Uh, but at the same time, um, after I got done with my book launch last night, I went and supported our friends who always uh, they they're, pre- they do producing and DJing, and they're a bunch of rap artists. And you know, there's a whole bunch of different artists, right? And I love all different kinds of music. Um, and we wanted to support them. And I'm listening to you when you're talking about the bar stuff. I actually don't drink, um, and I, I really don't. I'm, I'm kind of a plain Jane. But when I go to the bar, people are just like, "She's at the bar? I thought she was Christian." Um, <laughs> how about I go and support my friends? Mm-hmm. I actually don't drink. And I know that that's weird in Wisconsin, <laughs> but the bartender actually is awesome. And she hands, she's doing shots at the end of the night and she gets a squirt and she pours squirt into a shot. I was like, all right, Abby, let's take a shot. I'm like, all right, let's do it. You know, so people think that I'm drinking or whatever, but like they're really, a lot of the women there are super amazing. They just respect that I don't drink and they don't make me feel bad for it at all. They like, do you girl? You know, I'm like, these are the kind of friends I need in my life. The ones at the bar that's like, yes, you don't have to drink with us if you don't want to. We'll still include you. Um, You know, so like you, <laughs> there's just so many crazy things to me that up until, up until my life became a total whirlwind mess and I had to start all over and, and fix things. What if you'd have asked me four or five years ago, my opinion about a lot of things, uh, it would be much different than today, especially when it comes to judgment and thinking I know somebody's life when I don't know jack shit about their life. I don't know what that girl has walked through. I can only imagine at times, but I don't know the reasons behind it. And so like just and my my 14 year old daughter gets so mad at me when she's having an argument with any of her friends because she'll say, oh, stop talking to her mom. You can't be nicer. I'm mad at her right now. I'm like, girl, you guys are going to be friends in the next two weeks. So whatever you're going to say about her, you better make sure you could say it to her face. And, um, you know, my daughter will say this, this, that, whatever. And I will respond to her like. Hurt people, hurt people, sis, they do hurt people, hurt people. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: when you get yourself healed up, you can be a, a healed person who's healing people. Or you can utilize your own experiences to be a little more compassionate and understanding, give a little more grace to that girl because maybe she's got something going on that she hasn't told you about. Um, Mm -hmm. So like your mind just totally shifts. And that's what I'm trying to teach my daughters is I went from seeing that from a young age, my beautiful mom say the same stuff to realizing that I had done that unintentionally that my daughter was now doing that. So your kids teach you a lot about the ugly parts of yourself and Mm -hmm. the good parts, but more of the ugly parts. And the ugly parts, they need to come out into the light because I can't move forward with who I am and where I want to go as a person without knowing what I could improve on and what maybe isn't so great about me. And I'm willing to accept that. I'm willing to say I have not always um, been fair in judgment. I have not always been fair in, um, you know, perspectives. And specifically, um, you know, I appreciate that you even allowed me to be on your show. Okay. I I listen to a lot of your stuff. Right. And Mm -hmm. I know that you're very much about empowerment. And um, I don't want to be the white girl who says I have a, a bunch of you know, black friends and that I grew up in diversity. I did actually grow up in diversity. I was the minority where I grew up in my childhood, but I've had a really big struggle with law enforcement. I've never been in trouble. Okay. I've spent the past three years having to deal with law enforcement over and over again for a lot of terrible things that not things that I did. Okay. But the experience has been absolutely horrific, horrific, and it, it's something I'm going to write about, too. OK, and and that being said, I finally uh, I've decided that I'm if I'm going to make change, I have to do it, whether I cause waves or not, that I'm not going to waver for where I'm at because I might hurt someone's feelings or maybe I pissed off the local sheriff's office, whatever. I don't care. I don't care about that. What I care about is all the victims and all the women who are affected by this And that specifically being said, what I have seen is people struggle to speak up. So I called out the sheriff's department for not taking it serious. I have court next week for somebody who threatened to shoot up my house and kill my kids if I didn't send them naked pictures of myself. I said, no, I called the cops and he's just like, "Okay, he has to have means well, does he have means? Did you call him and find out? I mean, it was just as messy and disturbing. And I recently went through a situation while I was sick and had surgery um, that one of my children were abused by a police officer and a school social worker. And I hope they're watching this because I'm never letting that situation slide. And they have not been held accountable at this point. And For me to experience what I've experienced in this situation, what I have seen is people get away with a lot of shit that they shouldn't get away with. And if it were me, I guarantee I'd be nailed to a cross just like that. But at the same time, something that I have helped some of my artist friends with was me saying like, I know a lot about the judicial system now. And like, let me help you work through some of these charges let me help you with this let me help you with that and and some of them were like what you want to help me well no I mean it's not a big deal I'm like they were they were basically being racist they were they were purposely entrapping you they were doing this they were doing that and I'm like in more enraged than they were they're like we just are supposed to expect this I'm a black man in a white community and I'm like don't take the status quo and be okay with that that's the real situation is we can we we don't have to be okay with the status quo we don't have to i called the sheriff's department out on a facebook post that went viral now they did their damage control but i put the facebook post back up um and said i know how hard this has been for me to handle and deal with this and i know that my skin color affords me privilege and for one thing that has helped me a lot through all this process of the last couple of years is realizing that I can't even remotely fathom the amount of hardship and and how uh, in certain communities and situations that people are they don't the odds are set up against them. Nothing is working in their favor, and and then they start to you start to see that generational impact of some of the younger generation. My daughter has a lot of friends and a couple more black girls. And and I'm really passionate about that because I literally have watched white girls say the N word in her home. And and she didn't say anything. And I got angry and said something and she didn't say anything because I think she felt like I'm the only black girl here. And there's all these white girls here. And am I, I say something, I'm probably going to end up, people are going to hate me and no one's going to want to be my friend. And I, I just looked at all of these girls and said, you do not have the right to say that. Well, I'm just joking with her. She knows I don't give a shit if you think you're joking with her or not. And then I looked at my daughter's friend and said, you have every right to stand up and tell that girl that you don't appreciate that and that you're not okay with that and that she needs to get some perspective. And I just, I called the whole situation out. And then I asked her, how can I help you? How can I help you make that change? Did I make it worse by calling it out? Did I, I mean, what can I do? And she's like, honestly, you just even acknowledging it is what? And I'm like, okay. Okay. But what can I do? I really don't know. I really don't know. And I'm like, well, here's what I, here's what I want to do is show my daughters. It's okay to stand up for anyone and everyone. It's okay to stand up for yourself. It's okay to stand up um, and speak against things that are not cool and not okay. Um, and, and no matter if it's a political situation or something to do with race or religion, and specifically my life has been touched in so many ways in, in like every category you can think of, okay? Including uh, my perspective on um, uh, gay and Having, uh, I, I don't want to speak to certain things right now, but you see, what I'm saying? so perspective. Change your perspective changes when you decide to just open up your mind and, and say, maybe I haven't always been right, and 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 you can't know these things if you're not willing to open your mind and ask people how you can make change, how you can uh, help with the change, and. And so really that's 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 gonna be that's my ultimate goal with what I wrote about was hundred percent hands down is taking and the action to make real change, generational impact, leaving a legacy of love is what I wanted to do for my daughters, to leave a way for them to feel empowered, for other women to feel empowered and Really, at the end of the day, for all these mom, for uh, even if a mom just read the book because she wanted to read my chapter, if she reads through all of them, it's about domestic violence, body shaming, infertility, all the things we go through as women and, and some of these women who don't have children now, um, they, them figuring out what their identity is because they weren't able to have a child. You know, so like we all struggle with some of the same things. We might be different people, but. At the end of the day, as women, collectively, we kind of struggle with all the same things, a feeling like we're put in this box and we got to stay inside of it. Girl, no. <laughs> do, do you take the well, change and do you
0: and do what works for you. Well, thank you very much for that. And, and I do, you know, my the book that I have out right now is called Energize Your Life, which is about um, moving forward into your goals and dreams and reclaiming things that you've lost or things that have been stolen from you and really focusing through journaling, through goal setting, through visualization on where you want to be and how you're going to get there and using a whole toolbox of methods to get there. Um, And the book that I'm going to be releasing, which there's going to be a sneak peek of, and I'm not going to tell the title right now because it is not out yet, Uh but it's going to be released to Amazon. um, The sneak peek, just chapter one, on January 30th is a poetry memoir about the last seven years of my life. And it is about, as a woman getting divorced, how did that impact me? And yeah. then how did I reestablish my identity as a woman? You know, even though I was divorced, even though I had been through different things, mm-hmm. um, finding what it meant to me to be a woman um, and what the kind of woman I wanted to be and giving myself permission Right. To that woman, yes. because so many times we don't, at least I have seen a lot of women not give themselves permission. They don't even feel like they have the right to give themselves permission because yep. they're so afraid of judgment and so afraid of criticism and ridicule and censure, ostracism, all mm-hmm. kinds of things that they're afraid of. Um, and for me, the freedom that I feel now, the fulfillment that I feel now. I could not have even imagined having that seven years ago when I was in that box that society told me I should fit into, that box that was making me miserable, that box that was kind of repressing my talents and abilities and skills um, because they weren't deemed important enough. You know, they were less important than me being a wife and a mother. Um, They were less important than everything else, you know, so- um, for me, um, I have given myself permission to really explore the totality of who I am as a person, as a woman, um, and still embracing that I am a mother, that I'm a grandmother, you know, that I have a sensual side, that I have a friend side. You know, I have all these different sides of myself, and it's okay for me to embrace all of that and not for me to say, hey, um, I have to give up everything because I I had kids, you know. Yes, yes um, absolutely. And- absolutely. <laughs> I'm, I'm um, so here your girl. <laughs> I wanted you to tell people where they can find you, where they can find your book. Okay, um, so I'm on Facebook, um,
1: Instagram. Um, I have a website. I just haven't built it all yet. <laughs> I got to find time for all those things. Um, so on Facebook, it's Abby Lorene, A B B I E L O R E N E, and then um, is the same way on Instagram. I have two. I have author Abby, and then I have My Walk. Um, sorry, I had to think for a second. Uh, my Walk Today. Abby Lorraine. And I have a cat hanging out. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the website is abbylorraine.wordpress.com. And you can buy the book on Amazon. Um, and then if anyone wants like an autographed one, Um, A lot of my friends are waiting on my order. Amazon actually puts your customer orders before your wholesale orders. So I'm still waiting on some. So the ones that are on Amazon are available right now. And the ones that I'll have, if anybody wants one, they can just message me um, through my email, which is MissAuthorAbby at gmail.com. There's a dot in between each word. um, And 25% of the proceeds from the books that I sell personally will be going to my best friend's children. Um, I want to make sure they're taken care of. Um, she has three children and today is her birthday. So happy birthday to her. Um, and um, I wrote about her in the book and um, I wrote about the strong women who impacted me. And and Missy was an everyday part of my life and the first person that I've ever lost close to me. Um, and it is, it's a hard thing to walk through, but what I have learned is walking through that healing and And feeling those emotions is absolutely okay. And Missy was a dedicated mother, very, very dedicated. And I was honest and gave a sneak peek of my book when I hosted her memorial. And I remember her becoming very stressed out because of the amount of demands of her being a mother and feeling just so overwhelmed with working and being a mother that Some things in her life had changed recently right before that. And I thought if this can happen to her, this can happen to any of us. And that's why it means so much to me to help her children and to stand by their side as they continue to grow in our community and to remind mothers and women, not just the younger women who I want to work more with, but that we are more than just mothers. We are more than, more than we probably even think possible. I didn't think I'd be sitting in this position. I'm sure at one point you didn't think you'd be sitting here in this position, right? And we didn't think that we were all capable of all these amazing things. And it takes one person believing that you're worthy and you're loved. You. That is my hashtag, girl. You're worthy and you're loved. Because if you can be worthy enough and loved by yourself, you can do anything. And especially if you believe that. And when you believe that, your daughter believes that. The people around you believe that. And that, that's our ultimate goal is to love ourselves enough to know that we're good. We, we're amazing. Women are amazing. We don't. We're, our superpower isn't just creating other humans. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> some of us have superpowers that we can write. We can do poetry. We can do a podcast show. We're just so capable of so many things. And I okay. think actually 2020 brought a lot of things for me, but for, I think a lot of women have found so much about themselves. I just think it's such a beautiful thing that we're empowering each other and lifting each other up.
0: That's important. I, I agree. I agree. And, and, you know, um, I wanted to just piggyback on what you said. Uh, my message, you know, to the audience is you are enough. Yes. Yes. You are enough, even regardless of where you are and what people would say about you. You are enough. And uh, you have the right to live a fulfilled life. Yes. A happy life, a peaceful life, a joyful life. Um, Zenergy, the name means the urge for more peace and fulfillment in life. Yes, And that's what I was feeling when I created the podcast. And the idea is to take one concept a week and to talk about how. We want to use that concept to have more fulfilled lives, to have more purposeful lives, to have more joyful lives and to, in a sense, give ourselves permission to have that. Yes. And so um, I want to thank you for joining me today. And I am Zenashe and that's you can see it on the screen for people who are watching Z-E-N-A-S-E for people who are listening. So you can find me on Facebook Zenashe or on Instagram Zenashe Poetry Z-E-N-A-S-E. And you can find Zenergy on about 25 different podcasting platforms. So thank you guys, all the people that are listening in all over the world, you know, because mm-hmm. we are in 53 cities right now in 35 countries. I have subscribers in. So wow. thank you guys for all the people that are out there listening and all the people that are buying the books. Zenergize Your Life is on Amazon. So you can find either the Kindle version or the physical version. Um, And you can buy that on Amazon. It is a guided journal with all kinds of prompts and ways that you can tap into the greatness within you and bring it out. Um, And I also am doing workshops in person in Houston. Um, So I have a vending market on January 23rd. Um, So you can look on my page for that or on my link tree. I have uh, January 29th, I have a workshop that's free, Zenergize Your Life, um, and a pop-up shop after that. And then January 30th, I'm doing a book signing and I'm doing new poetry with new poetry, soul poetry right about now. A bunch of different poets coming together to perform um, January 30th. Uh, I'll be doing a Valentine's show on February 13th called Awaken Your Audacity. And on February 12th, I'll be doing another Zenergize Your Life workshop. Each one is different. Each one goes into a different page of the book, goes into different techniques. Uh, for relaxation, stress relief. Um, And so those are the events that are coming up. So for people who are listening to this, you can look at my link tree. You can look at my website, laughsandlyrics.com for tickets um, for all those different events. So many of them are free. So you can just come and it's free and some of them are paid. Um, But thank you for joining us and may you walk in Zenergy. Have a great night. My name is Zenai Shea, and I have a weekly podcast called Zenergy, which is fuel for the mind, body, and soul. And this is the Zenergize Your Life Goal Setting Package, Volume 1. It comes with the workbook, a journal, stickers, a bookmark, tabs, and a QR code where you can find my podcast. And inside this workbook, you're going to have 16 different principles. The first one I'm going to show you mine is abundance. You have a place to put pictures that inspire you of role models, also pictures of goals that you want to create. Goals, journal prompts, meditations, affirmations, all kinds of things to help you focus on this principle to better your life. And like I said, there are 16 principles. So this is a $15 package that comes with all of these things I've shown you, $21 with shipping and handling. And you can get it at laughsandlyrics.com. So zenergize your life with me. Thank you.